1: Any department can save time
0: on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.
2: It's brand new season two.
4: Welcome to How to Money.
1: I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about how to think about investing with MoneyPro Paula Pant. Hey, uh, by the way, tell me how your home renovation is going because we are still oh prod- gosh. we're still recording in your <laughs> dining room/slash kitchen, uh, which is kind of fun because it's easy to get
0: the beer out of the fridge, but this is very true. How are
1: things going in the back Well, of the first house? of
0: all, do you notice that we're accumulating more and more stuff? <laughs> like we started off pretty clean, but now as Kate continues to cook and as we continue to live in the space as our dining room and kitchen, yeah, you, there's more stacked up on top of the fridge over there in the corner. Behind me, there's more things up on the mantle, all the spices. I was going to say, yeah, your spice selection is (laughs) robust. Dude, I'll tell you what. I think we're going to do a whole episode at some point regarding home renovations, right? But for now, I'm just going to say that it is stressful because it just takes so much mental space. I'm just constantly making decisions. And when you're having to think about stuff, it just feels like it robs you of your time. And you know, with three kids and just other stuff that we have going on, it's a lot of work. But really, man, it's just taking a bit more time than we expected. That's that's really it. I really shouldn't whine. <laughs> that's but that's what they say, right, about home renovations is that it
1: always takes more time than you think it is. So the general contractor says this is going to be four months. Well, you can maybe, guarantee maybe five, six, to seven, right? <laughs> Something like that. And and then usually it costs more money too. But yeah, uh, I will say before you did this home renovation, I always said that we would never do a, a home re- like a thorough home renovation like right. this, just because of. The pain I'd see, I'd seen other people uh, endure going through like a big, big addition or something like that, and I'm sticking to my guns
0: after <laughs> seeing how things have gone. Well, don't be, don't be scared of it. But before you do, I'll give you some serious tips, and okay. we'll share that with uh, you listeners here sometime soon. Oh, and also one thing that's
1: really nice for you though about doing this home renovation is that you work from home. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't imagine being someone uh-huh. who works in an office away from your home because there's all these little decisions that you have to make and a quick five-minute chat with a contractor can save hours of potentially going back and having to redo something and so it's just really nice that you work from home and you have that ability because if if that weren't the case i just see it going awry in even more ways
0: yeah it's nice and it's it's a blessing and it's a curse (laughs) because yeah like you said that one five-minute conversation ends up turning into 30 because then you're looking at this and you're talking about this detail but yeah joel astute observation Oh, and one more thing, dude. I wanted to thank you for the uh, girl shoes, the boots. Your wife brought over a bag full of uh, clothes. And our girls just (laughs) (laughs) like anything that comes from y'all's place. It's like an Amazon delivery for adults, basically. They get all excited and they're like, oh, what's this? (laughs) And they immediately put the things on and are walking around in the house. I think it's so awesome
1: that, that you know, being able to re-gift clothes for our girls. And actually, speaking of that, clothes that we didn't give you guys, we took oh. to a consignment store recently. Ooh. And we made more money than we thought we
0: were going to make. We made like 53 bucks on one little basket of clothes. Nice, dude. So that was pretty sweet. We'll have to talk more about that. I've never done consignment before. Consignment, I mean, that's where you take it to the shop and you sell it. Or basically, yeah. if it sits there and it sells, you get a percentage of that, right? It's
1: similar to something like Buffalo Exchange for for. Clothes for adults, or okay. Plato's Closet, or something like that, where you can. Oh man, I did Plato's Closet back in the day in college. Yeah, yeah. who didn't? <laughs> right? You can get like some sweet jeans for like eight dollars or whatever.
0: That in the thrift store.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, but if you're taking stuff into sell, like I've definitely done the Buffalo Exchange selling my clothes thing. But this was the first time I'd sold our kids' clothes, and we just be kind of holding on to some stuff, just not sure. Hey, are we gonna? Maybe another baby comes along. Yeah. Who knows? The stork
0: brings some something by one day. That's how it works, right? Yeah, the stork. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. 50-something bucks, man. That's good. Yeah. What I want to know, though, is why are you holding out? How come you're not bringing the goods over to our house, and instead you're giving all the, the janky shoes and slippers? <laughs> <laughs> no, this was the stuff that
1: was too, too small for your girls. Okay, okay. So for sure, because Dottie's only two, but she looks like she's four, so <laughs> <laughs> she's like the size of a four-year-old. So I would recommend to anyone, whether it's just your clothes as an adult or whether it's kids clothes sitting around maybe they're in your attic or in the back of a closet or something like that and you just want to thin some stuff out consider selling online in your local facebook yard sale group or take it to a consignment store or plato's closet or buffalo exchange those are great places to sell your clothing secondhand all right, Matt. And I'm super excited about the beer that we're drinking today because I never get tired of drinking Southern Swells.
0: Yeah, man. It's such an amazing beer. Specifically, uh, all their IPAs. They, they make a ton of amazing IPAs. pumped to have another one of these on the show because I'm always in the mood for a delicious IPA, and that's what they do, man. And I got to say, when we cracked the top and I poured it out, I just couldn't stop smelling it. It, <laughs> it was smells, so beautiful. It smelled so freaking good. Dude, and I will say this is called Freshly Picked Citra. And every time I glance down and look at this can, the cane is very green. And I keep thinking it says pickled, freshly pickled citra. It does look like that. Doesn't yeah. it? Yep. Uh, which I, I think is kind of awesome because I love pickles. But have you ever had a pickle IPA? No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, do you like pickles? Uh, Yeah, I like pickles. Okay. But I'm not like in love with pickles. But a pickled IPA sounds terrible. Yeah, it might be weird. Yeah. Anyway, it sounds appealing to me. All right. Well, this is not a pickled IPA. Let me go ahead and state that for the record. This is just a standard hazy IPA. All right. Well, let's take a sip of this and give everyone our first impressions. Yeah, man. Cheers. All right, Matt. If I could describe this beer in one word. Dude, that is so good. It would be <laughs> crushable. Mm, I like that word, dude. But okay. Now, the one word I will use is pillowy. Nicely done. You, I think like, those, you, you like that? You, you see where I'm going with that?
1: I think those are two good words. Nice, man. So we'll uh, explain the meaning behind those words, what we thought about this beer. At the end of the podcast, like we always do. Yep. So, Matt, this is our second episode in our Money Pro series, and I'm super excited about this. It's really fun to kind of bring somebody else on the show, an
0: expert, somebody that knows a heck of a lot about yeah. one specific topic. Dude, I love this. It feels like you're hosting somebody, right? It's yeah. like when you have company, and it just kind of feels a little more fun. So I'm, I'm w- for it. Let's keep doing it. We had a blast last week with our friend Scott. He talked about something that was
1: near and dear to his heart, but today we're bringing on our good friend Paula Pant. And she is truly like a money genius. And, uh, and she's been a good friend of mine now for a lot of
0: years. She's a superstar. And she's had her own podcast now for three years, uh, Afford Anything. And even before she started that podcast, she had her own site, dude. And at, right at this point now, it's been about eight years, which is... I mean, that's a long time when it comes to just the new sort of personal finance world. Um, and her site's called the same thing as well, AffordAnything.com. Specifically, check out uh, AffordAnything.com forward slash escape and she's got an awesome sort of free ebook right there for you where she talks about her her journey but her story i love it dude she she got an awesome job straight out of school as a reporter out in colorado but soon after that she got sick of just doing that she wanted more freedom and turned to real estate to achieve financial independence she's been featured on forbes the washington post fortune time magazine kind of all over the place and
1: her recent claim to fame was a podcast episode she had suzy orman on the show so renowned personal finance guru right like this lady's been around forever yeah Susie. she's one of the old school personal finance quote-unquote experts right but we're featuring paula because we we like (laughs) paula's philosophy a lot more it's near and dear to our hearts but she had this run-in with Susie orman where Susie had some kind of crazy things to say about how much money you needed to actually retire and just it felt incredibly out of touch with what you and me or any normal human being living in the United (laughs) States of America could actually achieve. And and so Paula did a really great job handling that one. We'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Yeah
0: actually I was going to say we should put that up as well. Because it's
1: one of her best. She did such a good job in that interview. But Paula does an amazing interview and I will say she is one of the first people I reached out to when I started my own thing on the side. I, I started a blog years and years and years ago and Paula lived in Atlanta just a few miles from where we live, Matt. She lives in Vegas now. But so I reached out to her and she was kind enough to meet me at a Starbucks. She gave me a lot of information, some of the beats that she had had, some of the successes that she had had. And it just like really helped me when I was getting started in the blogging game. It just really helped me when I was creating my own site starting out. And, and so, yeah, I'm just grateful to her for that. And I'm always happy to listen to her show. The the wisdom, the insight, the interviews, there's, there's just so much there. And Paula also is kind of a, a real estate expert, really. And so I, I love talking to her yeah. about real estate because it's
0: something that we care about so much. So really, her philosophy mirrors our philosophies in so many ways. Yeah, man. At this point, she's just sort of a like an old pro when it comes to the uh, financial media landscape. And she's just been around for a while. And she has just, yeah, like you said, has a lot of experience. I got to meet her for the first time this last year at FinCon, which is a nerdy financial
1: media conference that we go to every year.
0: <laughs> super nerdy. And actually, funny story. A friend of ours we met at FinCon had been meeting all the bloggers, all the podcast guys, all the guys that are on the news, on TV, stuff like that. Loving it, right? Enjoying himself, keeping it cool. And he said that when he met her, that he totally froze and and couldn't say anything. He just kind of clammed up. And this was before I met her, so I thought, dang, this girl must be like big time, you know? Like if if he can talk to Mr. Money Mustache and everybody else that's just hanging out, but then he sees this. Paula Pant Girl and, and freezes up. It kind of set a high bar. But that being said, at, when I met her, she's super cool, very personal, very friendly. In my opinion, Paula does such an amazing job, not just talking about
1: finances, but really thinking through what matters in life and orienting her life accordingly. And, and Matt, that's something that we talk about a lot on the show is getting your finances in order. Obviously, it's super important. It's something we care about a lot. But really, so much of getting your finances in order is taking into account what your goals are, what matters to you, and thinking through... What you want your life to look like. And Paula's done such an amazing job of that. And I applaud her for that. And I'm thankful for kind of her example and how she lives that out.
0: And because she has done such a great job with investing in real estate, we gave her free reign to pick pretty much any topic that she wanted to discuss. And she did not disappoint, man. So for today's Money Pro episode, Paula is going to reframe what it means to be an investor. Just because you've invested some, does that make you an actual investor? And what role should your emotions play when it comes to investing? So let's hear her five minutes of wisdom and then Joel and I will break it down all right after the break.
1: dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money
5: if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.
1: And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Without any further ado, let's get to Paula.
6: Hey guys, today I want to talk about thinking about how to think. What are some ways in which you can think about money in a way that is different from how average people do? So let's get started. Number one is to recognize the difference between investing versus being an investor. Anybody can buy a few shares of Coca-Cola stock or Nike stock. That doesn't mean that they are an investor. Having investments doesn't make you an investor. Being an investor means that you have thoughtfully analyzed a particular purchase based on certain metrics. And it's up to you to decide which metrics are more important. So, for example, in the world of stocks, maybe P.E. ratio is important to you. In the world of rental property investing, maybe it's cap rate. Maybe you intentionally decided not to focus on cash on cash return. There are a lot of different metrics that any type of investor can use. And as an investor, one of your primary jobs is to wade through those metrics and determine what is the signal and what is a noise. But the big takeaway from this point is that I don't want people to conflate owning investments with being an investor. And you hear this a lot in the world of real estate where people say so-and-so owns a rental property and their rental property didn't do very well. And so now I'm never going to touch rentals ever, ever, ever. Um, The end. The thing is, just because you happen to have purchased a house and put some tenants in it does not make you a rental property investor. If you can't name the cap rate on that property... If you don't have an investor policy statement or a guiding statement outlining your strategy and your approach and your philosophy, then you're not an investor. You're just someone who bought some property. So that is the first point with regard to thinking about how to think. There's that difference between investing versus being an investor. And when you're talking to somebody else or listening to somebody else who's giving you tips about money, uh, pay attention to which of those two categories that person falls into because so much of this revolves around taking uh, opinions from well-qualified people. And that really leads to the next point, which is beware of resulting. Now, what is that? So let's assume, hypothetically, that you're at work and you have some water cooler chit chat, and uh, somebody says, oh, you know, XYZ stock is going to do really well. Now, you don't know anything about that stock, but on a hunch, just because you heard about it at the water cooler, you go home and you buy it. And a month later, you check your portfolio and that thing went up 10 times in value and you have 10x your money. And so you sell and you live happily ever after, right? So in that particular case, the result happens to be positive, but the decision-making framework that led to the result was highly flawed. Unfortunately, a lot of people judge outcomes based on the outcome. They judge things based on the outcome or the result and not based on the decision-making process that was used to arrive there. That is something that's referred to as resulting. Beware of the natural human tendency to do this when you are evaluating investments, investment opportunities, or whether the person that you're talking to Is an analytical, thoughtful investor with a philosophy and an approach or just somebody who uh, was on the positive end of resulting a couple of times? Speaking of being on the positive end, that leads to my final point, which is sequence of returns risk with regard to investing. Now, most people, when they talk about sequence of returns risk, they're often talking about what happens after a person retires. So you retire, and the year after you retire, the market tanks, and now you have to convert paper losses into real losses because you've just retired and you are relying on your portfolio as a stream of income. That's the context in which we often hear people talk about sequence of returns. But the same framework can be applied to your experience of a new investment at a conceptual level and so here's what I mean by that let's say that you buy a rental property and your thought process your decision-making process with regard to buying that property was sound you did your due diligence you picked the metrics that were important to you based on your own philosophy and approach and you bought a suitable property but it just so happens that in that first year it doesn't do very well maybe there's a prolonged vacancy or maybe you have a bad tenant And let's say that your string of bad luck stretches to year two at this point your sequence of returns your first two years were very negative and you might be so soured by that that it scares you off of uh, investing particularly investing in real estate right in that regard in that context what you are experiencing is variance you are experiencing volatility But because the time frame is so narrow, and yet it feels so long, one to two years feels like a long time, you draw outsized conclusions based on that volatility. So those are my three points with regard to thinking about how to think about investments. Number one, know the difference between investing versus being an investor. Number two, beware of resulting. And number three, beware of sequence of return risk.
1: Wow, Matt, that was
0: a power pack five minutes. How are we going to unpack that stuff? (laughs) One bite at a time, man. That was yeah, that was totally awesome. Uh, she did not disappoint. We hope you listeners caught all that. But if you didn't, we're going to unpack it right now. All right. So the first thing that Paula mentioned, she had three points was
1: the difference between investing and being an actual investor. And I think that's a, a thoughtful point because I think there are a lot of people out there who have made a foray into investing. And like she said, someone that bought a house and had tenants in it but didn't really have an underlying philosophy of how they wanted to approach owning real estate. And there are people out there listening who are sticking money away in an IRA every month or in, in a 401k, but they don't really have much of a philosophy surrounding what they're doing. And they just don't know why they're doing it. You know, And I, yeah. I, I think Paula makes a good point that knowing why we're doing something can actually help us to achieve goals that we wouldn't have otherwise achieved. So knowing kind of the why you're doing it, why you're investing, as opposed to just kind of blindly doling it out, makes you a better investor in
0: the long run. What stood out to me is she was talking about the different metrics, figuring out what it is that's important to you. And... Dude, I love that because what that tells me is it's up to you as an individual. It's up to you personally. And that's what makes personal finance so personal, right? So for example, if you're investing in the stock market, you're looking at your rate of return or real estate, either your cap rate or cash on cash. Those are easy ways to measure and to have those metrics that you can measure your investment against, right? How is it performing? How will it perform? But aside from the numbers, what I think is interesting, too, is that you can also approach it from the standpoint of, how is this going to affect me as an individual from a lifestyle standpoint? How much time is this investment going to take? Do I want to be specifically, do I want to be a landlord? If not, then I have to take into account management fees. Or if I am going to manage it myself, it's not going to be quite as easy as just investing in the stock market. There's different measures, right? There's different metrics that you can weigh your investment options against And when you are able to do that, you're able to basically start comparing apples to apples and figuring out, all right, what about this is going to make this a successful and profitable uh, investment? And yeah, I love that, man.
1: Yeah, I love too how she mentioned taking opinions from well-qualified people. Because becoming an investor all on your own, picking yourself up by your bootstraps, right? To become like the Warren Buffett of investing, well, that's just not going to happen. Learning from the people that have gone before that have made the mistakes, that have had the successes, that have done well and thoroughly learned how to do something, that's just smart to pick the brains of people that are crushing it at something. And so listening to money pros that come on this show to talk about a particular topic, putting yourself in the path of well-qualified people that know what they're talking about is such an important piece of becoming a good investor because without that, it's so easy to be sucked in by salespeople of all stripes. Whether it's a friend that works for an insurance company that wants to sell you an investment product that has incredibly high fees and incredibly high commissions, you're not going to know that unless you're kind of putting yourself in the path of well-qualified people to take advice. So I think that's a great takeaway from what Paula mentioned too
0: and even if you're just going through the motions of what you think is investing like you actually may not be an investor like you might be investing that doesn't necessarily make you an investor however i don't think that means that investing is bad though right and so for instance if you know you've got a work sponsored 401k opting into that 401k I think is better than not, <laughs> like it still gets you started. And what I don't want people to hear is to think that like, dang it, all right, before I do anything, I have to become a complete expert. Obviously, there's experts out there, like you said, Joel, where you can put yourself in the path of those folks. But beyond that, there's still a certain amount of understanding, right, that, that you feel like you need to have before you feel qualified yourself. But even still, I think there's some small steps like opting into your 401k. That's something that it's a very small thing you, you can do. And you may not know exactly all the ins and outs. Something, even small steps, I think are better than nothing.
1: I think there is a potential for someone to have heard what Paula just said and say, scrap it, I'm throwing in the towel before I even start because I can't be a pro. I can't be a knowledgeable investor. That takes weeks and months of reading and getting up to speed. And I don't think that's the case either, right? I think you can know enough to be a savvy investor with a few hours really of putting in some time. And Matt, I think you know we've got an episode, retirement investing is simpler than you think. And I think that's a good place to start, right? Paula talked about investing in real estate and we have episodes on that. But I think one takeaway for people would be finding your niche in investing and whether that's just basic stock investing through your 401k, man, that's pretty easy to do. You know, the, the, the real estate thing, there's a lot more that you need to get up to speed on. But we think it's super easy to start investing in your four hundred one k, and you can have enough information to get started within forty five minutes. Yeah, really. or not even. <laughs> yeah. So so make sure you're not taking on too much and discounting yourself before you begin, because just because you don't feel like an investor right now after listening to Paula talk doesn't mean that you can't quickly get up to speed.
0: It's easier than you think it is. Confession, man, I personally sometimes may not feel like an investor after hearing Paula speak. Right. She's pretty smart. But what helps, right, is to develop your own sort of philosophy towards investing. And so what you want to ask yourself is, do you have a guiding philosophy or principles that dictate your direction and how you want to invest? And so write it down even so you can go back to it. And then from there, you can let that inform your decision making. Yeah, Matt, I know you and I, man, we both favor like a simpler
1: approach because that benefits most people. I feel like most of us aren't going to take the time to read the financials about specific companies so we can invest in individual stocks. So our philosophy is to hit the easy button and invest in low-cost, widely diversified index funds. But you know what? Just having that approach, that philosophy, that outline, and having that written down that that's our statement. You know what? Then I don't have to dabble in any other way of investing when it comes to stocks. And when it comes to investing in real estate, you know, which not everyone needs to get into by any stretch of the imagination, but if you do, you should have a guiding philosophy. I mean, my guiding philosophy right, is to invest close to where I live in neighborhoods that I understand and live nearby. It's just an investment that I can understand versus buying apartment complexes or buying a place in Detroit where I've never set foot in. Right. So just knowing your philosophy and your approach is half the battle. It, ju- it just keeps you from allowing your mind to wander and all these other things you could be doing and allows you to kind of focus on the essentials.
0: Yeah, Joel. It's so important to have those investing parameters. I know even setting out when Kate and I were looking at our first investment properties, we were only considering three twos in a certain part of town at a certain price point because we knew that that is A, obviously what we could afford, but what we knew to be most profitable and what we knew was going to be the easiest to rent in that specific neighborhood. And so yeah, cutting through the noise, like like Paula mentioned, and focusing and latching onto that signal, knowing what it is that you're seeking after, you got to have that direction. And so next, we're going to discuss uh, Paula's second point, which was to beware of resulting. This was my favorite. Point. Oh, was it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with this idea of resulting. I feel like so many people decide whether something was successful or not based on the result, right? And that just seems like common sense, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, there are so many things that influence a potential outcome. And it turns out
0: you just can't base the results purely on the outcome. Yeah, it's natural, right? It's natural to, to think and feel that way because us as humans, like Paul mentioned, it's our, it's our tendency to, to base the results and the success on those outcomes, right? Versus trusting the process and the approach that got you there. And this process and this approach... Like, this is what we're talking about that we've already established in the first point. And so if you don't know why or how you've arrived at where you are, like, you've just gotten lucky. Yeah, the decision-making process is
1: just as important as the outcome itself. So for instance, your uncle winning the lottery doesn't mean that the fact that he played the lottery for eight years made it worth it. We know the actual stats of lottery winners, what percentage of people actually win the lottery, and you're you're like way more likely
0: to get struck by lightning twice than to win the lottery. So we just know it's a terrible play. Right. (laughs) And also, too, just because he won the lottery once doesn't mean he's now an expert at winning the lottery. Right. Like he did it one time and it's never going to happen again. (laughs) So instead of looking
1: at the results, and I feel like that's a good example of that, be sure and crunch the numbers, read reports and trust the facts. Those are the things you should cling to as an investor instead of just the results in any given year.
0: Yeah, and what this is, is essentially your due diligence of investing, right? Like, oftentimes that term gets applied to buying a home or investment property specifically. But, man, lately we've been using it more and more to refer to just doing your homework, doing the due diligence, taking the steps necessary to ensure that you're doing the right thing. You don't want this to be sort of a gut decision, you don't want it to be an emotional decision. We'll get more into that in the next point. But you want it to be something where you feel confident. Because, yeah, you've run the numbers. You know that the numbers don't lie. Obviously, things can change, but you're going into it incredibly informed and confident in the decision that you're about to make. Yeah, and so there's a lady, Annie Duke, and she was a world champion poker player, and she wrote a
1: book called Thinking in Bets, and she's a fascinating, fascinating person, and she specifically talks about how the result of a hand in poker is not indicative of how well you played. And she extrapolates it in great detail about how people think that and they think they're better than they are, but when it turns out over a series of poker games, the person that Thinks that the result is the most important thing. Ultimately, they're a worse player in the end, and they're going to lose more money. Right, and so versus
0: playing the game properly, like they know that they're supposed to. Exactly. And
1: she learned that early on in her career through talking to other really intelligent poker players, talking about her bad beats. And like, if you've ever played poker before, you know that any poker player says that, right? Oh, that was a bad beat. I got, I got crushed, and it wasn't my fault. And that's what everyone thinks. And so she started to go into the hands, thinking about, okay, well, actually, that probably was my fault that wasn't a bad beat. That was me playing it wrong. And thinking about it in those terms helped her to get way better at playing poker, helped her to kind of realign the way she thought about it. And so instead of resulting, basing the way you think about something based purely on the results alone, she started to think about the process as opposed to the outcome. And I think that's really helpful for us all. So Annie Duke, she puts the priority on
0: the decision-making process as opposed to the outcome itself, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Was she one of those people that wear like her sunglasses upside down, like at the poker table at the tournaments? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I watched so much world series of poker like 10 years ago oh yeah i bet you watch rounders as well in college duh (laughs) (laughs) you know i've never seen it what that's one of the best (laughs) well that's the best poker movie ever but edward norton's my favorite actor yeah you know i too love edward norton but i never watched the actual movie it was always on at my friend's house all right well that's uh, on your to-do list you me date night will Uh, you watch it with me no thanks (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so in the end what you want to do is to make sure that you're looking at your decisions not just based on a single result but you want to have a formula and you want to have an approach that will help you succeed over time so again you're not looking for a single win but you're looking for many of them you're looking for a ton of them over the long haul essentially you're not
1: looking to win the battle you're looking to win the war all right matt after the break we will get to paula's last point and talk about how our perception of an investment can have massive negative long-term ramifications on our psyche Wherever you go next, make it
0: happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood
1: shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachaba really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. dot com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get ten percent off your first order. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash how to money.
5: If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you.
1: Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using PolicyGenius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com.
0: Okay, so Paula's last point is to beware of the sequence of returns risk. And so the typical definition, uh, it applies more to like retirees. And so since we're not anywhere close to retirement, even just if you're investing, right? So let's say you just started and you opened a Roth IRA for the first time and all of a sudden you start seeing the market tank and you think, crap, like what's going on? I made the wrong move. I am not investing where I need to be. Like everything's looking bad. But Matt and Joel said to do it. <laughs> and so what a terrible thing to do at that point would be to take your money out. Because at that point, what you've done is you've actually realized those losses. It's on paper up until that point. Yeah, but pa- Paula talked about paper
1: losses versus actual losses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what it looks like on paper on your statement is
0: different than if you lock them in by taking money out of your retirement account, right? Yeah. If you let it sit, you get to see that rebound and you get to see that growth. But if you get spooked and you get freaked out, you have a negative experience and it becomes a truly negative experience once you make those withdrawals. But what I love though, is that she took that concept and then she is applying that just more on a conceptual level when it comes to investing and not just investing in the market, but all sorts of investing. So think if you're a real estate investor, Matt, right? And you buy a house and your underlying
1: fundamentals are solid. You've listened to you know our episodes on buying a rental home and you've thought about it really well. You know your market, you made a savvy purchase, you even found good tenants, but then a pipe bursts in the basement and does thousands of dollars worth of damage to your home. That's a bummer, right? To have that happen in your first month or two of rental property ownership. But that doesn't mean that it was a poor investment. You can't take your first month or year even of rental property ownership and decide whether it was a good or bad investment based on that alone. In the same way with the stock market, if you just invested in that IRA and the market is tumultuous and seems to be dropping, well, that doesn't mean it's not smart to invest for the long term in the stock market. That just means that it's a tough time right now. But That's ultimately, right. over time, when you look at the history and the way things ultimately go, it's the best move you could make.
0: And so those initial results don't mean that this is how things will always look. And that initial short term bad result can have a long term negative effects on you as an investor, if you turn and run, right? Like if you pull out, if you, you, know, if you make the sale, if you vow that you're never going to invest again, you've got to overcome that. And you do that by having metrics. You do that by doing your research, by doing your due diligence and knowing that the decision that you've made is a sound one and that it's going to be one that leads to you making a profit. Yeah, and Matt, the analogy that we gave earlier,
1: winning the war is what's most important, right? Not winning the battle. And so if you invest as the market is going down, that doesn't mean that it's not wise to invest for the long haul in stocks. It just means that you're investing in a current rough patch. And if you buy a rental house with the right fundamentals, well-researched, you have 25% to put down, you're buying in a neighborhood that you understand, just because something goes wrong the first month or two or year and you lose a little bit of money in the beginning, that doesn't make it an unwise decision. And making a quick decision based on that initial sequence of returns can lock in your losses and actually hurt you even more in the long run. So, for instance, selling that home that didn't do well the first year can dig you a deeper financial hole than holding on to it and riding out that rough stretch.
0: Man, and something that's interesting to note is that Paula's points, right? Two and three specifically. So, the beware of resulting. And then her third point beware of the sequence of returns risk they are different sides of the same coin, wherein the second point that she mentioned about resulting was more of a positive approach. And then this one that we're talking about now is more sort of the negative side of that. But both of those risks or feelings are based on emotion. And so in the first example, something good happens and you think, OK, this is how it's always going to be. And you think, I'm a genius. This is always going to work out. I'm always going to make money. It's awesome. Woohoo. I rock. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the second example, it's more the negative side of it. You think, oh, I've invested. Things are not looking good. This is just how it's always going to be. Things suck. But both of these are driven by emotion. And when it comes to investing, a lot of times you have to operate like a robot. This is really hard to do, but you have to sort of turn off your emotions and ride out the storm. Uh, When you know that you've made a proper informed research decision... These ups and downs, they shouldn't phase you, right? And I say they shouldn't because we're all human, and people will still check in to see what the S and P is doing that day because you know you hear people talking, and it kind of affects you a little bit. But it shouldn't affect you so much that you're making decisions and that you're making purchases and selling based on what the market is doing right now.
1: Yeah, Matt. We're emotional creatures. We're emotional beings. And of course, it's hard to take emotions out of investing, right? In investing, yeah. it's better if we could, right? If we could completely <laughs> lobotomize ourselves from all emotion and invest like robots. We can't. But what we can do is be aware of the fact that those emotions influence our decision-making process. And we can be better investors if we do our best to put our emotions on the sidelines and focus on those underlying fundamentals that will give us big wins over time maybe not the biggest
0: possible win in the immediate moment that's right maybe we should call this one emotional investing or zero emotion investing oh <laughs> well, yeah i mean that that would be the proper approach is zero emotion investing i like it so speaking about emotions how do you feel about this beer i just adopted it into my family <laughs> that's how good it was man
1: like we said, man, we, we kind of got obsessed with this brewery on our vacation last year, and it's still doing it for me. The beer that we're drinking is Southern Swell's Brewing Company Freshly Picked Citra. Citra is a type of hop that has really juicy characteristics. And so the one word, Matt, that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that described this beer was crushable. And
0: that's very true because I'm nearly done with it. It's so good. Like a lot of New England-style IPAs, this poured a nice, hazy, gold pale yellow color it's beautiful my word was pillowy and I stick with it man it had such a light pillowy foamy head and as I took a little sip of it I could just feel the softness on my lips Speaking of pillowy I would totally rest my head on this at night <laughs> <laughs> but and it it didn't have any bite you know like that's the thing like that it was just so soft and kind of smooth uh, for an IPA like this and just yeah incredibly delicious. And so thanks to Kate over at Southern Swells Brewing Company for donating to the show and supporting the podcast. If you're ever in Jack's Beach, make sure you swing by and get a pint. Yes, definitely. Let's do our final thoughts now. These are our key takeaways of what Paula had to share with us. When it comes to investing, uh, you need to develop an approach and a philosophy towards investing. You need to figure out what metrics are important to you as an individual and what it is that you are seeking after. Yeah, Matt, that's because the
1: decision making process is just as important as the outcome itself. You need to crunch the numbers and trust the facts that you've been presented with, because you can either demonize a position you've made or put it on a pedestal based on the results alone. And that's just not the way a successful investor thinks
0: keep in mind that some initial negative momentum can really affect your perception of a specific investment and can actually lead to real realized losses were you to act on that sort of negative downturn. And so what we need to do, uh, and this is hard to do, but we need to remove our emotions when it comes to making decisions uh, in the investment process. Knowing that you have sound, solid underlying fundamentals when it comes to your approach and your criteria and your metrics that you're measuring your investment against and will allow you to weather the storm when those initial results just don't happen to swing your way. All right, Matt, that was a fun one. Thanks to
1: Paula Pant from the Afford Anything podcast for dishing out that wisdom. It was really fun to kind of discuss it together. So if you want to know more about what Paula's up to, go to howtomoney.com.
0: You can check out the show notes for this episode. To everyone out there, if you have found this podcast helpful, if you found this episode helpful, we would love to hear from you. If you could leave a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, uh, but especially Apple Podcasts. And by leaving a review, that just helps us to get the word out. And it helps others to find this podcast that wouldn't normally uh, have found it. So thanks in advance. So until next time, man. Best friends out. Best friends out.